sisters, come together now, come together now. It's time to help each other out, help each other out. Welcome to the Soar Podcast. This is a platform for sisters to gather and have some empowering conversations. And in the process of these conversations, we help each other overcome some limiting beliefs. I want you to join the conversation. I appreciate your likes, subscribes, and comments. This podcast is sponsored by Stephanie Brown Coaching. If you have any limiting beliefs that are holding you back, feel free to contact the coach at sociatap.com forward slash Steph Brown MD. So welcome to SOAR, LaShawn. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. And I am so excited to be having this conversation because relationships are so important. And whenever I think about most people, when I read people's biographies and they look back on their lives, it's usually their relationships that they look back on and say that, you know, if they have any regrets, they wish they had spent more time with people that they loved. Mm -hmm. It's usually not their accomplishments that they're looking back on. Mm-hmm. So our topic is going to be getting to the heart of the quality of our relationships. And specifically, if perfectionism is hindering our dating game or our affection in marriage. So I always like to give our audience a little bit of a bio about my guest. So I'm just going to introduce your bio. So LaShawn is a beauty expert turned relationship coach. She has been in the industry for the past 20 years, working with celebrities, working women and millennials as a hairstylist and makeup artist. The hot topic in her chair was always dating and relationships. Her first clients were the ones in her chair. She started coaching some of her clients and the next thing she knew, they were having fun dating and less drama. That's when she knew she had a gift to coach independent women, to have the love they often spoke of, but hated the dating process and found it easier to focus on their careers, work hard and find fulfillment there. Through her own life experiences of two failed marriages, low self-esteem, people pleasing, yes, I've been there, and horrible communication skills, she went on a mission to heal whatever it was that was stopping her from having healthy relationships with men to find out that she had to start with herself. And that's when her transformation took place. Fast forward 10 years later, LaShawn is happily married with two children. She is an entrepreneur with her coaching and beauty businesses. She believes that working on health mindset and self-care are the keys to fulfilled life. These lifestyle changes birthed a deep desire within her to coach others so that they can learn how to have and sustain loving, passionate and mutually satisfying relationships. Um, So I just read your bio, but I would love to hear your story because our story is what connects us to other people's. So what is your story that led you to this point of being here with me on The Source Show? So I started off, you know, I was a, a army brat. My, you know, I didn't, I, I was raised with my mom till about the age of, let's say around 10 or 11, raised in foster homes, grandmother raised me, and then about 19, been on my own. So, you know, it was in the church and all of those, all of that good stuff. But, you know, from, you know, abandonment issues, mom not being there, father not being there. And 
from what I got from church, right, was like everything outside of marriage is bad. That's that's how it was in my in my mind, right? So I would I would be in these relationships with men and I would be trying to make them my husband without them being my husband. I had low, very low self-esteem. And although I was really good in my career, right? I worked hard, very hard. I still was not satisfied. I was overweight, you know, I wasn't happy, but I looked for men to make me happy. And I got married once, that lasted for six months, got married another time, that didn't last a year. And after that marriage is when I truly saw it was me. And I asked God, help me, show me, so that I don't keep making the same mistake again. I couldn't, I had to stop blaming everybody else. And so once I went on my journey of self-healing, healing those old childhood wounds, healing those, like healing the things that stopped me from living a life I truly wanted to have and stop settling for men that weren't for me or trying to make them into something that they would not be, I really started soaring, right? I started dating more quality men. You know, I lost weight. My weight loss has me be healthier in my mind. So, because I wasn't focused on food. And basically once I was happy, I met my husband, you know, not once I was happy, once I was happy with me, that's when I found my husband. And basically the rest is history. Two, two kids later, a six year old and a one year old, still happy in that relationship, working daily on myself, my husband as well on himself so that we can come together and be a unit. You know, like I say, the only thing constant in life basically is change. And if you're not willing to do that, then you will have what you have. Yeah, isn't that the truth? And aren't we so aware of the fact that change is the only constant after all the changes we've all been through these past two years? Now, one of the things that I'm curious about is that dating has just changed so much. Everyone is so busy. Online dating is kind of the staple for how you meet people. And my audience is typically professional black women. So with professional black women, we're busy with our careers. We're busy taking care of our communities and we all want our dating life or, you know, those of us who are people who are dating, want their dating life to be as fruitful as possible. So how can perfectionism potentially hinder your dating life? So when we first meet someone, men and women, we, you know, we have like our best foot forward. We're being the best person we can be. And we're just trying to like, you know, not make mistakes. And that is the beginning of like, not really being your, like your most truthful self. And of course that, that guard comes down after a while, but it's like, you really have to be yourself and show who you really are versus the person that you think that they want you to be. Mm. So that's, that's the first part. And of course we're all gonna put our best foot forward, but don't start off doing something that you know that you're not going to do as you move along into the relationship or as you move along into dating them. If you know you don't stop working at six o'clock or you work until nine, don't say you could you can meet at six and you know your boss is gonna call you the next day. You know what I mean? It's like just those little, those are the little things that we do to set us up for later on. Like, well, you used to take off. You used to do this, so. Yeah, those are the one of the ways that we set ourselves up with perfectionism. 
in, you know, just starting off the dating relationship. I think I got some advice when I first got married, similar advice, like don't start something that you are not going to continue or that you can't finish. Mm -hmm. So if you know, you don't want the person to get used to that behavior, you know, it's something that you cannot maintain. So that is great advice right there. Okay. So that's a form of perfectionism, just kind of not showing up as your true authentic self, putting your best foot forward, but to the point where you're kind of like, being a little bit fake yeah yeah so as a relationship coach i know that you probably have your top three dating tips so specifically for professional black women what would those top three dating tips be okay so my first one is have three on the rotation date three at a time why you're not focused on one If one don't call, the other will call. The other two didn't ask you out, one will. Have them on the rotation so that you really get to see who they really are individually versus you just hoping that one person's going to act how you want them to act and trying to like stronghold them to do that, right? So you have to in a rotation, you're open and you get to see who's who because the pressure, you're not putting the pressure on. The second one for me is have fun. Right. You get to dress up. You get to get cute. You get to go to a nice restaurant or coffee or wherever you're going. You get to show the representation of your best self. Do that and have a good time. And then as you know, if we get into the second date, then great. But just go having a good time. And my most important tip is don't look at each new date or prospect as your husband. Because mm. when you do that, right. You're almost like, it's like you're blinding your lens. You're only looking at the good and you're ignoring the bad because he could be your husband. We don't know if someone could be our husband until we see a whole plethora of things, right? About that person. We really need to get to know that person. And when you lead with, he could be my husband or he could be the one, it makes dating hard. It takes the fun away. You know, how can you be fun if everything, well, if he's my husband, he won't do this. If he's my husband, he won't do that. He's not your husband. He's a new guy you just met yesterday. Yeah, have fun. That was some uh, advice that I got too with dating. It's just to have fun, no expectations. Expectations lead to disappointment. Yeah. And so if you just go into it, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to you know, enjoy myself regardless of what the outcome of this date is. I think you set yourself up for a better outcome. If anyone has any questions about other tips or because those were three fire tips and I would have not have guessed the one about having three on rotation. So if anyone has any questions, feel free to put the questions in the chat and we will also answer those questions as we go along. I read an article in Essence that really talked about how many Black professional women have taken the fast track to success. You know, we've gone straight through school. We've gone to medical school, gotten PhDs, you know, gotten master's degrees. And then that's such a very driven path. Then after we've done all of this, we kind of look up in our 30s, 40s, and we want to find a partner. And then we find it a little bit more challenging. And so one of the challenges that they mentioned is that switching from being the boss in the boardroom Mm -hmm. to letting the man lead in your dating life can be challenging. And I'm just curious if this is something that your clients deal with and if that has anything to do with perfectionism. 
I don't know if it would have anything to do with perfectionism. If you're a boss, then you're a boss, right? Mm -hmm. The thing is, how do you separate being a boss in at work and then being a boss at home? Because you're not technically the boss at home. You're a girlfriend and or wife and or partner, right? So it's important that you keep your work stuff at work. And some men or women, you know, just depending on, you know, anyone's preference, right? Like a boss. So if that's what they like, then you could show up that way at home, but you need to communicate about, you know, what leadership looks like when you're dating. Because some people might like that. They, that might be the reason why they, they dated you. So I think it's a good idea to separate and, and not treat your partner like, of course, someone that you're working with or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. Because I feel like it's always like a thin line. You know, we want to make sure that we're respecting our partner and that, you know, we're keeping strong boundaries. Mm-hmm. I like what you said about, you know, someone may be attracted to you because you are strong and you're confident Mm -hmm. and you're assertive. So it goes back to what you were saying before about being authentic. So, you know, just be who you are. And if you're who you are on that first date, then and you have a second date, then that might be what they are attracted to. And that way you don't have to walk it back or anything. Can I add something as well? Mm-hmm. You said you said something very key. You said there's women that have went through this fast track of success and a fast track of success. You know, sometimes they feel like, oh, it's fine. It's hard for me to find men in the dating pool. Right. And if you're finding it hard to find men in the dating pool that match up with what with what you have, that could be hard. But as long as a person that you're open to dating has ambition, it can work. They might not have the PhD like you or the big corporate job, but let me tell you something. A man that has ambition and is is willing to help you in a household is worth its weight in gold. Mm. So that's just something that I really want women to, you know, just be on the lookout for. I'm so glad you circled back around to that because just like the article pointed out, if we're on the fast track, you know, they may not, they may be on the average track, right? So they may not arrive at their success the same time we do, but being open to that is important. That's something that I had to learn in my first marriage. I married somebody who was on the fast track, but that marriage didn't work out. And in my second marriage, I married somebody who was not on the fast track, but had that ambition. And we had similar values and that has worked out beautifully. So, yeah. And we, we got a comment about something that you said earlier and someone said that they often feel like they're being soft, but it's not always perceived that way. So do you have anything to say about that? She often feels like she's being soft, but it's not being perceived that way. I wish you could say a little bit more about that. I think it was thinks it's soft might not be someone else. I'd like to know what is soft to you. What is being soft to you mean? Yeah. Okay. So we will um, wait for more explanation around what being soft is, because that's a good point. Now, another thing that I hear from my friends who are dating is that they have hundreds of first dates um, and the first date might be awesome. Everything goes well. They click, there's chemistry, but then there's no follow-up date. Is that because people are looking for the perfect person? And if you don't check off all those boxes on the first date, you don't get a follow-up date. 
or something else going on? What's happening with the follow through? I think it could be a myriad of things, right? Okay, so it could be they're not ready. You could show up to the date. You look amazing. You're smelling good. You're smart. You know, you're talking about all your accolades. And they may be like, oh, you know, she might either she might be too much for me or maybe I'm not at her level. You know, it's it could be that. I always say man's rejection is God's protection. So if someone doesn't, if someone doesn't call you good, because at least he's not stringing you along, you know, like he's just like you would want him to say, hey, I'm not interested. But if he doesn't, that's fine, too. Moving right along. But I do think that it's it's important to for someone if they if they say if they just don't call you anymore, that's fine, that it really is fine and it doesn't feel good. But trust me, if someone disappears, let them. Yeah. Because I find from my experience in talking to women, that person could be going through something. And then maybe they thought they could date or they were ready to date, but they could have baby mama issues. You know, they could have, you know, finance issues. They could have something that just doesn't work in the moment. And instead of them being vulnerable because they don't really know you, they just figure it's better just to disappear. So try not to take it personal. I I like what you just said because ghosting is is kind of a new phenomenon mm-hmm. and I've been ghosted by friends uh or people I thought were friends and it does not feel good at all mm-hmm. and in my mind I was trying to figure out well what did I do what did I say what could I have done differently but what you just said is that it may actually have absolutely nothing to do with you absolutely what I had to tell myself is that I just need to choose another interpretation. Okay. This person did not call me back. They stopped communicating with me. And I just chose to interpret that as, okay, they're going through something. It has nothing to do with me because if you feel like it has to do with you, then you spend a lot of energy and time racking your brain over it. And then it can make you hesitant and timid about going back out there and continuing to date or continuing to get close to people in general. Mm. So that's really good. Yeah. So I think we have some clarification on the other point about being soft. And so she says that guys assume that I'm being a boss when I'm not. So what do you think could be going on there? Okay, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna guess. And if I'm wrong, tell that person just to type it. So I'm gonna guess that some women do this, not all, and I used to do it, so that's why I can talk on it. Lead with my accolades and what I do. So when I'm when I was single and I would meet someone you know, I'm a, I'm a hairstylist, I'm a makeup artist, you know, I have my own place. Um, I do this, I do that, I do this, I do that, I'm this, I'm that, I've been here, I've been there. And I'm not saying that you can't say those things, right? Or let's say someone's corporate, you know, I'm, you know, this in my company, you know, just, just really, instead of leading with who you are, you're leading with what you have. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people do that because they're worth is in their things and their titles and not who they truly are as a person. So I would say, look at what you're talking about when you first meet someone, look at what you're leading with. You could, of course, I work at XYZ. You can tell someone where you work because that's a, that's a general question. I'm not saying hide who you are. I'm just saying if what you're doing isn't working, try something different. 
So what does it look like? You showed us what it looks like to lead with what you do. What does it look like to lead with who you are? What what might that sound like on a date? I mean, like when I was dating, I would be inquisitive. So I'm not saying don't, let's not do interview, right? We're not going to interview them because that makes um, people uncomfortable too. You know, just just have a conversation, maybe about your last vacation or just keep it light. Keep it extremely light and just be and be you. Talk like how you would talk, and I won't say to, as a girlfriend, but talk as if you were just meeting a friend. When you, if you're just meeting a new friend, you're not necessarily the first thing you're talking about is like everything that you do at work. You're not, because no one really cares about that. You're really going to be connecting with who you are as a person. So that could be you loving to work out. It could be you loving to cook. Talking about the stuff that make you you. Your job doesn't make you you. Your car doesn't make you you. Your things don't make you you. What you do, the things that make you happy make you you. So just come to me switching around the conversation. Mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, thank you for giving that description. So we have another uh, question. Should women who are tired of being hurt keep a wall of protection up? Absolutely not. That wall of protection will actually stop you from you having what you really want to have. And that's what I teach in my coaching. I teach women who have dealt with past heartbreak. I teach them how to find love again by letting their guard down, trusting their intuition, and basically having fun while dating. So if you have a wall of protection up, how can you, your vulnerability, your vulnerability is gone. You're not open to anything that they're saying. Your lens is everyone's a liar and he's going to hurt me too. So if that wall is up, that's how you're walking in your dating life. So what I would say is say some affirmations. You might want to really write a letter to maybe one or two of the people that hurt you and write it and basically write back in how they would say it to you to get some freedom so that you can have like a release because you're holding on to those hurts for something. And it's actually not helping you. It's hindering you from finding the relationship of your dreams. Yeah, I would echo that 100%. And that's in dating and that's in friendships. And it's also in marriage because we get hurt along the way in marriage. And sometimes we will put that wall of protection up so that we don't get hurt again. But then that keeps us from achieving the intimacy that we really want which is the perfect segue for us to talk about married couples. And, you know, how does perfectionism get in the way of the affection in a marriage? Okay, before I answer that question, I have to say this to that last part. To the last um, question, how you are in one area of your life is how you are in all areas of your life. So you can't tell me you're just not trusting men. You don't trust anybody, (laughs) really. And the first trust is really within us. So I just needed to say that to that person. So go ahead. How, how, and your question was, how does perfectionism affect marriage? Yes. And, and, and it was very much related to what you just said, uh, because how you show up in one area is how you show up everywhere. And, and so that wall shows up in all areas so it can show up in your your friendships it can show up at work it can show up in dating and if you're married it can show up in your marriage so 
how does perfectionism show up and prevent some of the marital affection? Is it the same as with dating or is it a little bit different? It's absolutely different because now um, you're married, you have a partner, you're vulnerable. That person knows mainly your ins and outs. And I find that mothers or women that don't have children, most of the time we're handling the household, right? So we're dealing with the kids, we're dealing with the school, we're dealing with everything. And what happens is the perfectionism role is I can do it. I can do it. Or he won't do it like, or she won't do it like me. I can do it. And if you're always saying I can do it and you're not asking your partner for help, then that's where resentment comes in. Mm -hmm. Right. But the perfectionism piece is I can do it. No one says that you can't do it. I'm sure you can, but it really is okay to ask for help. It really is okay to ask for help and not when you're over it and then, and then it becomes an argument because now you're screaming, why can't you help me? When he's probably sitting on the couch, watching TV, watching you do your thing, thinking you got it. He's probably looking at you like, oh, look, look at her doing it all. <laughs> and, then, and you're in your brain like, why can't he help me? He doesn't know. She doesn't know. So it's really important to say what it is you need. I find that that is tough sometimes. It really is tough to express your needs, especially if you grew up in a family where people didn't talk about what they need or people didn't, there wasn't a healthy communication dynamic. So what are some easy ways to be able to get past this perfectionism and be a little bit more vulnerable and let your partner know, okay, I need help. This is what I need. I would say the only thing you can do is just talk. Even if even if it's hard, I'm assuming you married that person for a reason. You wouldn't have married that person, or maybe you did, if you couldn't have real honest conversation with them. You know, how can you be so vulnerable to say I do to someone if you can't let them know like I'm overwhelmed, I'm tired, I can't do this alone. Unless you're committed to being that way. When you're committed to being tired and overwhelmed and feeling alone, then you then you won't say anything. And then really getting what the payoff is for you. You get to complain, mm -hmm. you get to be annoyed, you get to be a victim, right? So if you don't want to be any of those things, say what it is that you want and don't say it when you're angry. Hey babe, I really need to talk to you about something that I didn't realize was bothering me. Do you have a second to talk? Yeah. That's a great point. Don't say it when you're angry because when you're angry, things just come out wrong. <laughs> yeah. And you can't even help it because you're just mad. And that's yeah. like, I don't even do anything. That's it. You didn't do anything. <laughs> exactly. No, I, I didn't know. And it's been ruined and then it just kind of explodes. So just to go back to the what we were talking about in terms of having that wall up. And that hurt. So what about the wall and the hurt in marriage? So when your partner has hurt you or done something, but you have decided that you're going to work through it and stay together, how do you open up and not keep that wall up? Communication. I will tell you this, right? When you're not talking, your marriage is going down, right? There, well, there's no communication there's no room for possibility. There's no room for anything. There's no creation. There's no anything when you're not talking and you're keeping all of your hurts and your anger to yourself. 
And also, if you are going through something with your partner and you are having trouble with forgiveness, then you might need to talk to someone else. You might need to talk to a therapist. You might need to get a coach. You might need to talk to your, your pastor. You might need to talk to someone. But really get that it's not great to be committed to the past of what happened. And if you can't get over it, seek the help that you need to get so that your marriage can flourish. Because let me tell you something, that unforgiveness, you don't forgive, you can't grow. Yeah. And one of the things that I learned on one of these other interviews with a coach who deals with forgiveness is that there are stages to forgiveness, right? Sometimes we think that we we say, okay, I forgive you, and then that's it. But it's a whole process of forgiveness. And I agree with you. If you're if you feel like you're stuck there, then you probably need some help getting through that process. Because God does not intend us to be in unhappy marriages and to just be miserable. And and that's that's a terrible place to be in an unhappy marriage. So yeah. So one of the other things that come up in marriages is that sometimes you're together for a while and that spark, that passion starts to die down a little bit. Um, Do you have any tools or activities or tips to kind of keep it spicy for married couples? Yes. Or committed couples? Yes. So what I say is, I know this is going to sound so odd, schedule sex. Schedule it just like you schedule girl time, just like you schedule manicure, pedicure, schedule your sex time, put it on your calendar, put it on your husband's calendar. It's something to great. It's something good to look forward to do that. Have a babysitter that you can rely on. If you have children, book that babysitter in advance, book your date nights in advance, you know, make sure to me in my household, the the house shuts down from seven to eight by eight o'clock. The house is shut down. The kids are in bed. They're asleep. They're happy. They're in, in, in snooze land. And me and my husband, we get to conversate and connect. Yeah. So it's important to plan it. It's really important to plan it. And people are like, oh, that's not spontaneous. If it's been three, four, five weeks going into six months and you're not having sex because you're so busy, what do you think you need to do? You need to schedule it. Mm-hmm. And it's great that you could look forward to for the day. Send great texts during the day. You know, foreplay starts from in the morning. Make sure you're kissing each other when you wake up, when you leave the house. You know, it's just those little things. Giving each other cards, leaving a card, or, or leaving like writing in lipstick on the mirror. You know, something like sexy if you share bath- if you don't share a bathroom with the kids. You know, it's always something to do to let your partner know that you're thinking of them. It's so important not to take your partner for granted. And that's as women, we feel like, oh, he doesn't do this, he doesn't do that. But do you do it? Do you do it too? You know, do you do it as well? Excuse me. So that's just something to to think about. You know, men, just like women, they're, they're sensitive and they need the same things that we do. Well, some of the same things that we know, that we do. Yeah. Those are some great tips. Um, I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes. Okay. (laughs) Um, Now you're also a beauty expert. And so as a beauty expert, sometimes as women, we feel sexier when we feel like we look good, when we feel beautiful. And then there are seasons in our life where we may not feel as beautiful. And that can also affect our 
you know, our passion with our partners. What would be some of your tips as a relationship coach and as a beauty expert um, if, if that's the season that a woman might be going through? I would say um, a lot of self-care. So if you need to go get your nails done, if you need to get your feet done, if you need to get a facial, you know, to text, you know, to like clear up that skin, if you all the things that you need, like just really pouring baths, you know, with nice candles. Once you put the kids down, you have a little bit of time to yourself. Like the it come, those seasons of not feeling beautiful come from us neglecting ourselves because we're so busy taking care of everyone else. Mm-hmm. So we schedule those times to like, like I just said before, doing the bath, um, doing our nails, making appointments to get our hair done. We're feeling good because we look good. When we're walking around with our hair unkept, wearing sweatpants, we're going to feel down. Any client that has ever came and sat in my chair, if they're feeling sad, by the time they leave, they see that new hair, it's swinging, or that new cut is precise and sharp, they are a new person. And we forget it's those little things. Yeah, definitely. Getting your hair done is one of the the biggest self-esteem boosters in the shortest amount of time. (laughs) Yes. So right. Yeah. Also. Um, And then I guess, you know, if you're going to schedule your sexy time, you got to be willing to get it messed up. (laughs) Yes. Yes. For good reason. (laughs) For good reason. For good reason. Um, So as we're talking about perfectionism, one of the takeaways that I'm getting for you, from you is that it really starts with us, whether it's in our dating relationships or whether it's in our marriage. Um, and we've kind of talked a little bit about things that we can do to address it. Is there anything else that you want to say about perfectionism and relationships and how we can address that? Yes, I think it's really important if you see that there's a block or you keep on getting the results in the same, in this area, do something, hire a coach, hire a therapist, you know, do something that is going to have that area of your life shift. Because if you don't, like I said earlier, you will just have more of the same. If you're not trusting, find out why you don't trust, right? If you keep on dating the same guy, but in a different name, trust me, it's something going on there. Don't ignore it. And yes, you as you're healing, as you're growing, you can date too. You're just taking your time. And the focus is more on you than dating. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you can still date while you're healing. You can. You can. Okay. If cool. you think you're strong enough. If you're not strong enough, maybe you might want to give yourself some time. But I always say, we always know the answer. I always say, when you want what you want, you get what you get. So just make sure that you know what it is that you truly want, like an honest way about yourself. Like if you know that you're not ready to date, then don't date, do your, do your healing work. And then once you're at a certain part in your healing work, then maybe you go to the next step, but only you know that. Okay. So I am curious to know how, how does your coaching business work? I know that you, you have, that you're an entrepreneur and your businesses are merged, your your beauty business and your coaching business. But tell tell me a little bit more about how how it all works for you. So they're they're actually separate. I did try to do them together, and that didn't work. I feel like it was like confusing. Like she does hair, she does coaching. You know, it's fine in the chair. But what you can do is go on my my website, 
www.lashawntthompson.com and you can schedule a consultation discovery call to see if we would be a good fit. Okay. And you do individual coaching. Is that? I do, yes, I do individual coaching and I do group coaching. Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So one of the things that I always ask my guests about on this show is about limiting beliefs. So I'm curious if there were any limiting beliefs that you had to overcome in order in in relationships in order to be happily married and also in business in order to become, you know, a successful entrepreneur. Yeah, so my limiting beliefs unfortunately were like as a like I wasn't attractive. Am I worthy? Basically, can I do it? You know, it's just like all of those questions, self-esteem. Like, so I had a lot of limiting beliefs really around my self-worth. And I really had to get over that hump and like therapy and books and all of those things really helped me to see who I truly was, right? You know, I'm of, of the divine of God. So I'm amazing. I'm smart. I'm wealthy. Everything I need is within me. So I was able to get over those limiting beliefs with that help. And in, and in business, the book that helped me change my life was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Mm-hmm. I became a hairstylist at the age of 19. I said that I wanted to make $1,000 a week. And that's what I did and more within six months. That's what I wrote down and that's what happened. So that book really helped me to see how the power of the mind, anything that you believe you can achieve can help in all areas of your life. Mm, That's really powerful. Both, Both of those testimonies are very powerful. So as we wrap up, if anyone else has any other comments or questions for LaShawn, please put them in the chat. And I just I know you shared your website, but do you have any social media handles or any other ways that my listeners can follow you and just continue to get more of this great energy and knowledge that you're putting out into the world? Thank you. Yes. On IG for my relationship coaching, it's LaShawn T. Thompson. Okay. All right. So IG is your main. Yeah. Uh, IG and my website for now. Yes. Okay. And just repeat your website one more time. www.lashawn, L-A-S-H-A-W-N-T Thompson, T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N.com. Okay. So I know I asked a a bunch of questions. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners? Yes. Sis, put you first. You deserve all great things and anything that you want, you you can have it as long as you're willing to put in the work for it. Mm, That is so true. So, so true. And it always helps to have those reminders and to hear it over and over and over. When I think about, you know, even when we go to church and we hear the word of God, as we continue to hear it, it takes up residence in our heart. So hearing affirmations and hearing those things, it's just so important to hear it over and over. Yes. Somebody said speaking things into existence and is very powerful. Yes. Powerful. Yes. And we have someone else that said, amen. (laughs) Amen. Amen. (laughs) That's right. What what better way could we end the conversation than with amen? (laughs) Thank you. All right. Thank you, LaShawn, so much for your time and your expertise. And thank you, everybody, for 
listening and uh, this video will be in the source circle and it'll also be on my YouTube so you can share with anyone else that you know who might get some benefit and I'm sure you know a lot of people who will so have a great rest of your day and goodbye for now bye-bye thanks for conquering those limiting beliefs on another episode of the soar podcast if you want to reach out to my guest just check out the show notes and all of the contact information is there if you want more information about stephanie brown coaching go to www.stephaniebrowncoaching.com and i'm sure you're already following the soar podcast instagram page but if not just go to ig and type in sisters overcoming and rising all one word goodbye for now Thank you.